Hi there, this is Dr. Glenn Wallace, and on this week's Success ID podcast, I'm going to pick up on a topic that has been often repeated, and you'll notice if you've listened to any of the recent podcast episodes that it's something that I've noticed has been often repeated by many of our guests, and that's the topic of compassion. It's a topic that leaders uh, should be demonstrating towards others and also interestingly something that they should be demonstrating towards themselves. So I hope this episode of the Success ID podcast provides you with lots of insights and new ideas about this important concept of compassion. I think it's a really interesting topic to explore in a little bit more depth and uh, I will be bringing in some of the thoughts from guests that we've had on the Success ID podcast in recent weeks and also some of the thinking of my <clears throat> co-presenter David Pilbeam uh, and I who wrote the book Leader ID and gave over an entire chapter to compassion because of, of its importance. I have to say in um, the spirit of transparency when we wrote it um, a lot of the content of that chapter was based on our experience and the four years of research that it had taken to pull together the themes of Leader ID. It's really only having written the book and having published it and now started to talk to practitioners and people in such a wide range of areas that the podcast enables us the opportunity to speak to um, that it seems to be a word and an idea that is cropping up uh, increasingly and it's perhaps it's one that we're also looking out for more. So I think just interesting to spend a little bit of time thinking as people who are keen to lead yourself and to lead others more successfully. What is the role of compassion? Um, what do we When we talk about compassion, what do we mean? What is it not to be confused with? Uh, and how might you go around developing compassion? And I think because it's such an important um, topic area and uh, seems to be so key to many areas of life. Uh, it is something that <clears throat> we'll act- actively pursue when we talk about um, other topics, but also we can ask particular guests to come on board and help us all understand the idea of compassion specifically rather than wrapping it inside other topic areas. I think the interesting thing for me, having done a number of um, different activities to try to understand compassion, uh, including reading sort of primary uh, evidence-based research uh, and exploring it with um, uh, leaders that I work with, is that there seems to be, broadly speaking, two versions of compassion. One is compassion towards others and uh, perhaps a more recent development, I say recent, probably in the last 15, 20 years, uh, is this idea of self-compassion. So one form of compassion directed outwardly and another directed inwardly. And whilst um, I've again alluded on a number of podcasts to um, the interest that I have in Buddhism uh, and Zen Buddhism particularly, whilst I won't talk in any depth and with any knowledge of those areas, it is interesting how central a part compassion plays in that particular spiritual uh, area. And so I'm not pushing that agenda. Uh, It's just interesting how central it seems to be to an area that uh, holds some interest for me. So compassion uh, as a word and a stem comes from the uh, Latin or the old French 
um, for to suffer the pain of others. It's, it's really very much stressing this idea of shared suffering and experiencing kind of shared pain. And I think that's an interesting idea in itself because in order to be compassionate, um, it requires an element of sensitivity and empathy and an emotional awareness about other people and what they might be going through. Now, I have a particular challenge around the idea of empathy, and I'll come back to that later on. And perhaps that's why for some of us, it makes being compassionate uh, a bit of a challenge. But really what we're talking about here then is something that will move you or motivate you to go out of your way to help alleviate the physical or the mental the mental or the spiritual or the emotional pain of somebody else when we're talking about this outward version of compassion and i think why it's so such a powerful uh, area to consider is perhaps when we look at the development of society more broadly what it is encouraging us to do is to reconnect with this idea that we are all interconnected so um, I think it would be fair to say, and there's quite a lot of research to suggest that we've been through a period, certainly in the Western world, of um, promoting self-reliance and independence. And for many of us, that's quite deeply rooted as a way, as a, as a worldview, you know, that you are the uh, product of your efforts and that uh, you are you, know, you need to build self-reliance and I think there are some fantastic upsides to self-reliance but like a lot of strengths when it's overplayed uh, and it becomes too individual then you end up with a situation that can promote a rather overly independent way of looking and operating looking at the world and operating within it so I think it moves us from this idea of independence to interdependence. And when we put that into the context of leading, that's clearly central. So in the Leader ID book that David and I wrote, the whole of chapter three is given over to compassion. And we broke that down into five areas, uh, relationships, generosity, putting others at ease, duty and helping others. And of course, if you'll notice that a lot of that focus is on what you can do for other people and I think that's that was you know the result of the evidence and the research that we had done which was that compassion in this context is very much looking outward and not just looking outward but also for the leader particularly is this idea of giving of yourself as a leader so giving to other people giving to your organization uh, and in a selfless way to to do that um, partly because it's the right thing to do and partly if we're thinking about it from a pragmatic kind of management perspective um, it is a way to engage people and for them to feel that they are uh, cared for and that you care about them as a human being first and foremost and so compassion is uh, not just the right thing to do but it is also a um, useful uh, and clearly a motivating step for people who feel that their leader, their boss, 
you know, cares about them is an engaging uh, um, leadership strategy in itself. Now, I think if we if we looked at compassion as a kind of pure from purist perspective, you know, very often compassion is described as something that should be given without any form or any uh, expectation of uh, of reward or recognition. And so I think whilst I absolutely acknowledge that, I think it would be disingenuous of me to think that leaders, particularly in an organisational setting, you know, are going to demonstrate uh, compassion in a purely selfless way uh, and with not without half an eye on some of the benefits for their employees and therefore um, for themselves, the team and the organisation. So I don't want to make too naive a claim around uh, um, compassion and the selfless nature of it. But actually, it is a really interesting concept, again, coming back to the very little that I understand uh, of um, you know, some of the kind of religious takes on this, be it Christianity or, um, or Buddhism or, and others, is, you know, there is a an expectation of showing such kindness to others um, without that expectation of reward. I just want to, that brings me on to another really important point, I think, which is, you know, when we talk about compassion, I think sometimes it gets conflated and combined with um, other ideas, which I, I it, from the little that I understand about it, I think are uh, actually distinct. So if we took something like empathy, for example, um, empathy is that ability to put yourself into somebody else's shoes. I think compassion is quite different from empathy um, because uh, compassion is actually about action and empathy doesn't require action. It just requires the ability to put yourself in somebody else's shoes. So it's a kind of shared perspective, but not necessarily uh, anything to to do with it. I think things like pity and sympathy are, are also sometimes uh, used interchangeably with things like compassion. And again, I don't think just feeling sorry for somebody um, is anywhere near the same as compassion. Compassion seems to be a very active uh, word and, and, and a, as a concept uh, is, some, is not just a way of relating um, to other people and to their feelings, but actually then to help uh, in a practical way to try and alleviate that suffering. And so I think in many respects, uh, compassion has a quite distinct um, uh, description. Um, so it's, it's an active process. Um, and I think having mentioned empathy, I think what warm heartedness or compassion requires is, is a sense of empathy which is that ability to put yourself into somebody else's shoes and also a genuine desire to help alleviate pain and suffering where you can. That feels like quite a big ask for leaders. It's hard enough to do for yourself and I think it's very difficult to do for other people but you could see the upside. You know, Think of the freedom that people would have if we were all working hard to alleviate the suffering of other people. Think of the, re the sort of reduced stress and the improvements in you know, well-being, um, both physical and mental, if you know, we were able to take away 
suffering from other people and that we all contributed to each other's uh, alleviation of, of uh, compassion in that, uh, alleviation of pain in that way by demonstrating compassion. And I think that's, you know, that's a, it feels like quite a, not quite, it feels like a very significant demand that we should be placing on ourselves. But perhaps, you know, if leadership is an end in itself, then there is lots of benefit and lots of alignment with this idea of compassion and leadership. When you consider the lack of engagement, the increased mental uh, illness and um, sort of mental strife and emotional strife that, that organisations particularly drive in some human beings, um, working hard as a leader to alleviate that um, would seem to be you know, a, a fantastic end in itself. Um, I think my word of caution here is not to um, interpret that as you know you need to therefore you know not worry about standards and not worry about performance and not challenge people when they're not doing what you know they need to be doing or they're contracted to be doing in many ways and I was um, uh, on a call with somebody earlier this week um, who was explaining this very point to me and it landed very clearly for me which is at some points as a leader, the most compassionate thing that you could do is to let somebody go or to fire them. You're going through the right process, of course, but, you know, because they might well not be um, the square peg that you need for that square hole. And if they're not, the most compassionate thing you can do, the best way of alleviating their pain is actually to let them know that and to let them go. If we wind back a little bit, though, for you know moments before in time before that happens you know again the most compassionate thing you can do for people from a performance perspective is let them know that their performance isn't where you wanted it to be and where you need it to be and where you expect it to be you know not having those conversations actually is not a very compassionate act in itself because it's likely that that individual is going to know that they're not doing you know the best job that they can so being super clear and really requiring but also you know providing enough support for somebody is a much more compassionate way of leading than either uh, setting somebody up for failure or only um, uh, intervening when it's actually too late that doesn't feel like a very compassionate way of doing things so I think there's something here about that sense of clarity um, about a, a sense of shared understanding and a clear sense of uh, the requirement or the challenge that you set out and then how people can be supported. That feels like a very compassionate way to lead. Don't forget that if you've got an underperformer in your team, then it's also possible that they are causing pain for other members of the team or your organisation or your family. Right? Again, we come back to this idea that leadership's quite a... We describe leadership at Success ID in quite a broad way. You might be leading a family, you might be leading uh, part of your community, you might be leading a church, whatever. But, but people who are operating in a way that is beginning to impact others, you know, are, are actually causing pain for other people. Uh, and therefore the most compassionate thing to do for everybody else is also to address those that are causing 
pain. Uh, and again, that takes some courage. That takes brave leadership in every sense of the word, I think. So there's some real, um, I think, some real practical steps there, you know, um, to think about, which is what is the most compassionate act uh, that I as a leader can take at this moment in time? Um, and, and how do you think about that? And then really importantly, you know, how do you use um, skills like empathy to think about, you know, how can I then address this in a way that is um, alleviating pain for the individual or alleviating pain and or alleviating pain for those that are being affected um, by somebody. And I think that's um, a really nice way of thinking about how you can apply compassion in a pragmatic way uh, in, in organisations and in leadership roles that you have. I think then um, I want to just turn briefly because it's an area that I, I don't know a lot about in uh, a great amount of detail, but I, I am fascinated by, and this is just the start of my kind of exploration into this space, um, which is this idea of self-compassion. And it's uh, described by um, a researcher in this area called Neff as a way of relating to ourselves in times of suffering that is characterized by increased kindness reduced self-judgment, increased feelings of common humanity and, and decreased isolation coupled with a greater sense of mindfulness. I just want to pick up each of those areas briefly if I might just to give you some thoughts to go away with. Um, so self-compassion then instead of the compassion we've been talking about up to this point which is directed at other people is directed inwardly and particularly at times of your own suffering um, is characterized by an increased sense of kindness. Um, this may be a bit controversial but there is a little bit of research that I've read that would back this up um, but that men are less capable, um, this generalization, but less capable of showing that increased kindness to themselves and they tend to do are often operating from a heroic mindset or a heroic worldview of the role of men and so um, showing increased kindness to themselves can be uh, really quite a challenge. Um, now we all know men that are very good at that and we all know, also know women you know and, and others who are not so good at it so uh, gross generalization alert but but I think it is interesting and I see a lot of men who you know, are not great at giving themselves that kind of break when they're when they're suffering. Um, this is something I'm definitely going to return to on another podcast, which is this idea of reducing self-judgment. And um, I think that compassion relies on the ability to suspend judgment. Now. That's quite difficult in some contexts, but from a human to human perspective, you know, um, I think the better we get at just allowing the feelings that are generated when somebody seems to have crossed us or uh, when, you know, we're in a particularly difficult situation ourselves, not to be hypercritical and to reduce that sense of self-judgment is quite liberating in itself 
you know, the situation is hard enough, you beating yourself up about it is probably not going to help. So thinking about how you can reduce some of that self-judgment, I think, catch yourself in the moment, uh, I think is a really important um, element to uh, helping uh, improve that kind of self-compassion that you show. We talked a little bit about this idea of increased feelings of common humanity. Uh, I think particularly when you're under stress, we know this from uh, some of my background in sports psychology would tell you that um, with increased stress, your attention, your field of attention narrows so that you tend to miss some of the things that are going on outside of a very narrow field of, of attention. And uh, I think what tends to happen when you're suffering is that you can go very internal and that you can isolate yourself quite a lot. And actually, one of the ways of demonstrating self-directed compassion is actually to increase that kind of connectivity, that interdependence with other people. And, 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 I, and I can't tell you enough about this right now, but it's something that I've got a guest hopefully coming on to the podcast in the next few weeks that will talk about this in much more detail. But you know, there is a kind of Western distinction um, that we make here between us and them, um, that kind of dualistic, it's us and them, but actually in Eastern philosophy, there's, um, you know, whether it's Indian or, or uh, Far Eastern um, Buddhism around this idea that we're actually all one. So we can hold on to this idea of being sort of separate and together and interreliant. And I think when we're feeling uh, that we're suffering a little bit, reaching out and making greater connection um, and greater common and understanding sort of greater commonalities becomes really important. Um, uh, and then something that we've already spoken about, and David Mays talked um, brilliantly on this subject, is you know it's, that all requires a greater ability to operate mindfully. Um, so if you're going to demonstrate that self-compassion, you've got to be kind of empathetic towards yourself, I guess, which is, you know, requires you to be very mindful of what's going on for you at every given moment of the day. I'm not suggesting that self-compassion, therefore, is an easy thing. Um, I'm not suggesting that it doesn't come without a lot of practice. But I think in order, I wonder, and this is just me making a uh, um, a a hypothesis, I guess, to test, which is, does your ability to be compassionate effectively outwardly to other people in part rely on you being able to be compassionate inwardly in that self-compassionate kind of way that we've just been talking about? Does does not being very good, does not be being very effective in terms of being passionate towards yourself hinder your ability to be outwardly passionate towards others. I'd love to get your responses to that. Uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm also on uh, Twitter and Instagram. But uh, you know, LinkedIn is probably the best place to to connect with me. And I'd love to get your thoughts on that idea. Is your ability to be self-compassionate um, almost an indicator of how well you're likely to be compassionate towards other people. So that's really the end of my uh, meander through this really fascinating area of compassion. Um, it's come up a lot in recent podcast episodes. It seems to be very much of the moment in terms of some of the leadership uh, literature. I think when we look at how um, 
the UK particularly is operating at the moment, there doesn't seem to be an, have been an awful lot of compassion demonstrated by the powers that be, and therefore it relies on the rest of us to start to show compassion towards ourselves and towards others in order that we can alleviate suffering. And what a fantastic uh, life's work that would be if we can achieve that. Please, 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 you know, let me know through tweets or through LinkedIn posts what your view on compassion is, how you're demonstrating it, uh, what the challenges are for you. And I hope that we can have um, a few more guests between now and the end of the year come and talk about this uh, a little bit more specifically and with much more knowledge than I've been able to. But um, if you've got a copy of Leader ID, the book, uh, have a revisit of chapter three. If you've not got a copy of Leader ID, then that's available at Amazon. Just look up Leader ID, David Pilbeam and Glenn Wallace. Um, and uh, we're delighted that that's still selling well and is a five-star book on Amazon, which is really cool. So um, thank you for listening. I hope that's been really helpful, and I look forward to you joining us on the next episode soon.